West Virginia wins. It was not the prettiest, but the Mountaineers found a way to do it. This is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, Aaron Parker. Let's all breathe a sigh of relief. West Virginia won a one-score game. They did it in the craziest way possible. It was a wild game on Thursday night here at Milan Piscar Stadium in Morgantown, West Virginia. A lot of offense, some weird defense, and a lot of craziness, and a lot of back and forth. Um, Aaron, big win for this team. They got back to even 1-3-4 of now. Um as Neil Brown said, quote, the ball bounced their way tonight. Um, and it sure did in a big way. Overall thoughts just on the win, uh, things that stood out. Yeah, it was a big dub. Uh, you know, what stands out to me is it was it was a crazy game, a one possession game, and it, it went the Mountaineers' way. Like Neil Brown said, they got the bounces they needed, um, got a couple breaks, but you know, I don't think it was a game of luck. I think, you know, I think the Mountaineers, you know, played a great game, you know, defense aside. And they made the plays when they needed to make them, uh, you know, whether it be you know, making a tough throw, making a tough catch or a running back stepping up. And, um, you know, it's all around good effort. Um, you know, I would have liked to see somebody punch it in there at the goal line at the end. But, you know, I guess we'll settle for a field goal. A win's a win. Yeah. Casey Legg walk off 22 yard field goal. Not a walk off, but basically um, hit it with 20, 30 seconds left. Something I think 33 seconds left. So. Big win for West Virginia. Um, just start. We'll start. We'll start in the beginning here. Uh, three and out on the first possession. Mountaineers win the toss. They defer three and out on the first possession. Then they go right down the field and score. And I was I was a little caught off guard by that. I was like, whoa! Like here we go. Is this what it's going to be tonight? And sure enough, the offense then kind of regressed a little bit. Um, couldn't convert a couple times there early in the first quarter. And then Baylor led 17-7. West Virginia gets the ball all the way down to the one. And then for the second time this year in the same exact spot, Carolyn Davis, boom, false start, move it back. Happened to get to Kansas, happens it's it's twice now. That's a problem. Um, procedure penalty, forced to kick because you have to probably use one down instead of two down the goal line. 17-10, Baylor driving right down the field again, and it looks like, oh, here we go again. Going to be down 14, chasing two scores. Sure enough, uh, really wasn't the West Virginia's defender's uh, aggressiveness. I think it was more uh, Baylor quarterback Blake Shapin just dropped the ball, and Sear Cox found it, scooped it, scored it, tied in the game. And to me, that really injected life and kind of gave that crowd life and was the turning point of that game until obviously the blocked point after. Yeah, that was a big play. That's kind of um, a, a type of play that happens against West Virginia. Uh, you don't usually see the Mountaineers return a scoop and score. I, you know, to be honest with you, I, I can't remember the last time there was a scoop and score uh, in the Mountaineers' possession. I'm thinking of like Jared Barber in 2015. I, I don't remember another I think, one. I think there was one again. There was that one against Oklahoma State where they kind of just blocked the punt in the end zone. I mean, if uh, that, the block punt, yeah, yeah, in 18. Yeah, there's what I'm saying is there's not much of that. And, you know, that play really caught me off guard. Um, yeah, obviously just shaping kind of dropped the ball. Um, and I looked, you know, somebody somebody swung and missed on the ball. And I'm like, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't be falling on that. Somebody needs to be picking that up and taking it to the house. And Jazeer Cox, you know, give them credit. You know, uh, they brought them in for a for a media day this last um, last couple of days. Um, and he was well spoken. Talked for 11, 12 minutes, and he's a, he's a very likable guy coming from North Dakota State. So it's really it's really good to see him make a play like that because at the spear position, while it's an important position, 
you don't see him getting, a, you know, a whole lot of picks or, you know, sacks or, or anything like that. So to see him get that scoop and score, um, that injected a lot of life in the crowd. Let's be real here. Besides the scoop and score, West Virginia's defense was awful in the first Oh, yeah. Not good. Um, like, just looking at Baylor's two touchdown drives here, like five plays, 85 yards, two minutes, 32 seconds. Then three plays, 70 yards. Like, like <laughs> – it was it was bad. Baylor would literally like West Virginia could drop eight and Baylor would still be wide open 20 yards down the field. And Neil Brown, he admitted that it was bad. And you've got to I mean, he admits that, obviously, but he did say that it was kind of a bend don't break mentality. And they, they found they made the plays when they needed to. And that's what he's all is that all he asked for is that, that defense to play hard. And I have to say they never gave up. They there was a lot of injuries on the back end. McCormick left. Ajayi left. Uh, Wilson Lamb got tossed. So a, a lot of moving pieces back there, and they were able to get the job done. For me, I like let's let's just go to the second half. Biggest play of the game is that is, is that block point after. Baylor looks like they're gonna go back ahead by seven. You're gonna be chasing seven again. And at that point, it was to me, it was more or less whose defense is gonna get the first stop, right? And sure enough, you get the block point after attempt, then you get to go and then you end up taking the lead because of that. That's a three-point swing right there because mm -hmm. you get the two and you save the one, two plus one, three, obviously. Then you're up 40 to 37, and then you have the game won. Like, you get an interception, three minutes left, go run the ball. Oh, wait, what happens? Procedure penalty, moves it back. You have to throw the ball, interception. Baylor gets another shot, ties the game up. Sure enough, it all ends well, but there were just so many ways West Virginia could have lost. I'm not trying to be yeah. negative because it's going to be a positive podcast, but still, like – a lot of things happened and it was a crazy game and West Virginia finally won a one score game and they finally did it under Neil Brown and they finally did it against a good quality opponent, not just a bad opponent. Yeah. And I, like you said, I mean, I guess it was the fan coming out of me. I was on the field trying to just think of all the ways, the way, the ways, you know, the Mountaineers could lose and they ended up not doing it. And, you know, it was very bend don't break, like Neil said, um, uh, to your point though, you know, it's, you know, you get that pick, uh, what Aubrey Burks, um, you know, somebody hit the quarterback, Burks gets the pick, what, three minutes to go. You want to wrap that game up. There's 319. Um, but it was, it was a little bit of a tough situation, though, because you can't just line it up and run because Baylor had all three timeouts. So if it's run for nothing, timeout, run for nothing, timeout, run for nothing, timeout, Baylor gets the ball with a good chance to win. So you need to throw it, but to throw it on first down, and this is a bad read by JT, just, you know, but, you know, a very bend-don't-break mentality, and I, I think it worked out. Um, you know, held him to three, forced him into, you know, not even a chip shot field goal. You know, but that Baylor kicker, you know, he, he drew it. 44 but, yarder, yeah, it was, that it was, was not a gimme. It was not, not a, a chip shot. He didn't, they didn't get it down to the five, 10 yard line and kick a field goal. I mean, forced him into a good field goal. Now he drilled it, but, you know, that put the ball back in the Mountaineers' hands with a tie game. And it's like, okay, now, now it's our game to win at that point. So um, I think if Baylor would have scored seven after, after the Daniels interception, um, I think we might be out telling a different story, but you know, glad it didn't go that way. Yeah, for me, I mean, you we you say they don't have to run the ball, but I think the biggest storyline for tonight was the ability of West Virginia running the ball because mm -hmm. we talked about it at length earlier in the week. Was Baylor's run defense is really really good? They were second in the Big Twelve. They were only allowing like ninety six rush yards per game coming in. West Virginia ran the ball thirty seven times for two hundred seventeen yards and three touchdowns, and on top of that, they did that without C.J. Donaldson who arguably is the best back in that room. So Justin Johnson, he ran well, 1248 for one touchdown. Tony Mathis, man, he had a, like, 
if, like he's he's proven himself before, but if you want to talk about a coming out party on a big stage, national TV Thursday night against a really good team, that was tonight. He ran 22 times, 160, 163 yards, two touchdowns, and I never felt like he was making the wrong decision. Pete, there were times he'd go inside, oh, cut outside, even though it's not an outside run. Go outside, oh, cut back inside. And he was hard to tackle. That was the best thing I saw was no one on West Virginia – went down easily whether it was Preston Fox whether it was Caden Prather who we'll get to later or whether it was these running backs and Tony Matthews and Justin Johnson no one on West Virginia went down easy tonight and I think that fight and that that kind of grit that you have as a team it showed itself in a big way and I think that's a really big positive moving forward into the rest of your schedule yeah they showed a lot of grit and I'm really proud and happy for Tony I mean uh, you know CJ Donaldson's kind of had that coming out party uh, this year, you know, kind of a different kind of running back. He's big, he's fast, he gets downhill. So with his with his injury, you know, it was it was, it was Tony's game. Um, and you know, he he coughed the ball up against Virginia Tech. CJ's been really good, and Justin Johnson has shown flashes. So it's like, you know, he doesn't have many, he doesn't have much room for error. And he came out tonight, and and he proved that you know, he he can still he can still take the workload. Um, you know, he he hit the gaps today, fought through contact. Like you said, he made all the good reads, even if you know. Maybe it wasn't designed to be a run outside. You know, he cut it outside. His cut ability was good today. Um, and he, he got downhill. And, you know, you can't really he – did, he didn't put the ball on the ground. He, you know, he fought through contact. He really didn't do anything wrong tonight. Um, and, obviously, it's, it is a good run defense. I mean, we saw that when, you know, you thought the game was over with, what, 45 seconds to go, first goal from the one, and Baylor, you know, shuts the door. Um, so, they have a good run defense. Now they gave up 43, but – you know, it's not easy for Tony to go out there and do that, especially, you know, he's had a couple um, performances where he was kind of maybe the two back, can, you know, when you talk about C.J. Donaldson. But I thought I, I thought he had a phenomenal game tonight. Yeah, the spotlight was on Tony tonight, and he knew it. Everyone knew it because everyone knew C.J. wasn't going to play. It's not like there was a question mark of, oh, C.J. might play C.J.'s question. But C.J.'s been like – everyone knew C.J. is not playing tonight. So the pressure was on Tony, the eyes were on Tony, and he rose to the occasion big time. And – the offense as a whole, outside of the two procedure penalties, outside of the interception, this offense played extremely well, I think. I think, like, 43 points against that defense, that's, like, that's not an easy task. Okay, seven of them were from your defense, but, it's like, still, like, 35-plus against that team, that's really, really good, and, like, if you want to talk measuring stick, Baylor just won the Big 12 championship last year, and you just beat them at your place after getting just run out the building last year in Waco. So I know it's not you're not four and two, you're not five and one, you're not six and oh right now, but you're in your three and three. But if this offense can do what they did tonight and be as complementary to each other with running the ball and passing the ball. They, like, they've got some winnable games down the stretch. And I think this team knows that. Neil Brown said, we've now won three out of our last four. And I think that's a really good way to put it. I think that, like, in the, you could think to yourself, oh, my goodness, sky's falling, they're three and three. But then you think about it, they lost to Pitt, they lost to Kansas. But since then, they've kind of turned the page, won three of four, beaten Baylor, beaten Virginia Tech on the road. Um, I mean, Texas, they just they – just, wasn't meant to be, but Texas is a really good football team, as we also outlined earlier in the week. So West Virginia, moving forward, they've got opportunities. Texas Tech, they're beatable, and they can beat them on the road, but what's been the one big issue for Neil Brown? Winning big-time games on the road, and 
he's got the one power five win against Virginia Tech this year. So that's the that's out of the way. So they've they've got to keep that going, keep this momentum. Cause I think they've they're playing with some confidence, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, they've won three out of their last four. I you know, I agree with you, completely led by the offense outside of, you know, a couple of defensive plays. And, you know, let's not forget, I mean, you know, Baylor's head coach Dave Aranda, he's done a great job since he's got there. Um, but he was a defensive coordinator at LSU. Wasn't he on that nas- the national championship team? I mean, he's a defensive kind of kind of mastermind a little bit. I know um, I know the Big 12 isn't known for playing defense, and they gave up 43 tonight. But maybe that's a credit to the, to the WVU offense. I mean, there's some bad defenses historically in the Big 12. But, you know, over the last couple of years, I don't think Baylor's one of them. Um, you know, that's a good coaching staff over there. Um, and to put up 43 on that staff is, is pretty impressive. And, you know, I think that should give them some momentum going into Texas Tech because they know that Texas Tech, you know, if you're looking historically, they're a team that's going to be able to, you know, throw the ball, spread you out um, and score points. But, you know, maybe you got a shot against their defense. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a road game. You know, Brown historically, you know, since coming here has not done well on the road. But I think they know that, you know, even if the defense bends a little bit, um, the, the offense has the experience, talent, and uh, now they have the confidence to, you know, kind of be in a game where they – got to score more than, you know, 28, 35. And, you know, they're going to need to put up 40 to win a game. We saw that tonight. Yeah, let's go. Let's talk about Neil Brown and then kind of what he had to say after. Um, we talked and we said this was a must-win game for Neil Brown just because you got to win these games. You can't be 0-3 in, in your conference two years in a row. So they've got their first Big 12 win. They've got a big-time home win. Um, and Neil Brown, I think this might be – top two or three games he has coached at West Virginia. I think that Iowa State game last year was a, a really good coaching performance. Um, but just because of how back and forth, how it was blow for blow the whole entire night, and Neil hung in there. Neil didn't shy away. He 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 went for it a couple times when you had to go for it and you didn't get it. And he was – like, he lived with it. And I think the biggest – thing and the biggest critique that we have had of Neil Brown is that he doesn't stick to his gun sometimes and tonight he stuck with what is best and that is his offense he trusts his offense and his offense won him the game and truth be told he's been saying the defense is there the defense is there the defense is working hard and sure enough that hard work finally came through and it, they pulled it off yeah it's good to see that he did trust his offense I mean it, I thought it was a little frustrating you know obviously the pick game you know I you know, there's a couple of good touchdown passes. I thought he should have trusted the offense there, but uh, I think he does have more confidence and trust in that offense. Um, obviously, he's not going to talk down the defense. He's going to talk them up, but you're not. You can't. You you can't put the game in the defensive hand in the defense's hands. You can't put it in the hands of the secondary and say, "Hey, go win another one on one matchup and win us the game." You know, um, you know, you got to put the game in the offense's hands, especially in a game you know where you got to score forty three to win. Um, JT Daniels is an experienced quarterback. We have an experienced wide receiver group and Sam James, Bryce Ford Wheaton, and now second year with Caden Prather, super talented there. Experienced running back in in Tony Mathis and an experienced line. So it is good to see him trust, you know, trust his guns there. Um, Obviously earlier in the game when he went for it on fourth and one, absolutely the right call. Maybe the the play design was not the right call. You know, maybe should have gone with a bootleg or something like that, something less predictable, but I'm glad that he went for it, you know, regardless. So, that's good to see. And when you get in the games against, you know, teams where you're going to have to, you know, really, really work that score your opponent, opponent probably TCU, 
um, you know, probably Kansas State and Texas Tech on the road. We're going to need to see more of that, especially in games where, you know, it's being decided by three points, six points, seven points, ten points, um, and so on. Yeah, I thought the biggest fourth downs weren't West Virginia's. I thought it was Baylor's. Baylor, yeah. that one drive, it was that drive in the third quarter where shaping ended up getting hurt and exiting, and um, they went for it on fourth and one from their own 35, and we knew that. We knew they wanted to go for it going in. I thought it was a little aggressive at that point in time, especially yeah, with the backup too. Yeah, yeah. like well, they weren't so on the fourth and one they had the starter in, and then at the fourth and then on the fourth and goal from the two is when the yeah. backup was in. So yeah. the fourth and one I thought was a little aggressive. The fourth and two I lived with more because you would have had West Virginia backed up all the way at their two if you don't get it. So mm-hmm. I understand that, but like let's give credit where credit is due. Baylor starting quarterback. Uh, Blake Shapin, he had to exit in the third quarter, but Karan Drones, their backup, man, he balled. Like, he kept them in that game. Yeah, I think you kind of just got to go down with that sack instead of throwing that interception late, and we can be critical of him all we want, but for coming into that environment yeah. where both teams are trading scores, trading scores, trading scores, you're a backup and you got to come in, and he continues to score, score, score. I was impressed with his performance, and I think also that says something about the West Virginia defense. Like, Baylor was picking apart West Virginia. Um, like, yards per play, I, I don't have the stat right in front of me. Yeah, average yards per play. Baylor got 8.2 yards per play. Like, it seemed like you'd look up and that, that 12 yards here, 18 yards there, 46 yards. Like, it was not a pretty day for the West Virginia defense, but it doesn't have to be pretty when you get the plays made. And I'll talk about that. And that is, they. the big theme was after the game was the ball bounced West Virginia's way. And there's been a ton of times this year, whether it's the pit pass, which seems like a century ago, um, whether it's Kansas, like just the guy jumping the route or uh, Reese Smith dropping the punt. Like Preston Fox dropped the punt, it, he was able to pick it up. Like that's a story for another day. Special teams is an issue, it feels like, especially on your kickoff unit and your punt unit. Casey likes phenomenal. We'll get to him in a minute. But – yeah, like, balls bouncing their way. Fumbles, both of them, bounce their way. Like, the first one, yeah, West Virginia would have gotten it either way. But the second one, he fumbled it, and there were three West Virginia guys and a couple Baylor dudes, and West Virginia was able to get it. Um, So things like that. That's kind of what makes or breaks some of these wins or losses, and West Virginia finally was on the good side of it for what feels like the first time in a while. Yeah, it's about time. It feels like, you know, all the, all the you know, breaks kind of go towards the other team, even if – the WVU defense forces a fumble. It's usually picked up, and, you know, if they get a turnover, they turn it right back over. So it's good to see the ball bounce in, in the Mountaineers' favor. But, you know, I don't want to label this game as, like, a lucky win or something like that. Obviously, I don't think you were saying that. But, like, you know, down to the last drive, you know, 43-40, um, Baylor's trying to, you know, make a desperation, you know, plea. And there's a first down, second down, third down, and then it gets to fourth down. They convert the fourth down, but there's zeros on the clock. That first down, second down, third down, I had a pretty good view of it. Man, Dante Stills got in there, and he made his presence felt. He was held on first down, nothing called. Held on second down and third down, nothing called. And, like, he didn't get the sack, didn't get a tackle for loss. But, man, he forced, like, two throwaways and, like, a, f- a little five-yard completion. Those are those are stuff that, you know, doesn't really show up on the stat sheet, and maybe that's unfortunate for an NFL prospect like Dante. Um, but, man, like – that's 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 where the WVU defense really earned it. And I think, you know, guys on the line, especially Dante, but Taj Austin, you know, Lockhart, they, they made their presence felt towards the end. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, they, they had some bounces, but you know, um, they didn't play great as a defense as a whole, but you know, I, I think they deserved it when it when it's all said and done. Yeah, the biggest thing for me, if you like when there was more pressure on the backup, but I think it wasn't because of something West Virginia was doing. I think Shapin had more of that internal clock that you talk about with quarterbacks, and he got the ball out, he'd throw it away, or he'd get rid of the ball. Drones, he didn't get rid of the ball as quickly as Shapin would, and he had a tendency, I felt like, to hold it longer and try and make something happen, and I think that was the biggest difference with West Virginia being able to get to the quarterback. And talking about big-time plays, like, out of every single kickoff return tonight, there was one West Virginia was able to return, and it was on the very last drive after Baylor ties it up, and Jeremiah Aaron probably is the best kickoff return we've seen from any West Virginia guy this year besides, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the best one, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's crazy. And he returns to the 34. So, um, yeah, like, that's that's just a player making a play in a big moment, in a big spot, when you haven't been asked to all day. He also, Jeremiah Aaron also had a big catch. Like, there were guys' names being called who you weren't really used to being called. Bree Smith, across the middle, went up there and looked like he was Odell Beckham Jr. Like, mm-hmm. Preston Fox had a couple grabs. All these guys were making plays, and it was a really good team win and West Virginia deserved a win. West Virginia played hard, and 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 they got the win. And I think that's the best part is they've been knocking on the door so many times. They finally were able to kick the door down, and they got the win they needed. Yeah, they did. They kicked it down, and you know it's a group effort. And like I said in our preview, I mean, um, you know, we we've talked a lot about the secondary and how they they haven't been good, but. You know, you need your leaders to lead. And obviously that can go to the offensive line, but I was really talking about some of the veteran defensive linemen, really talking about Dante. And, uh, you know, he had been kind of quiet. Taj Alston, you know, Jordan Jefferson since the Virginia Tech, you know, um, in the Texas game. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't show me much. So that's kind of what I was playing for, is for the leaders to lead. And I think they did that. Um, and it was very good to see some of the younger guys uh, get their name called Jeremiah Aaron. That was a big time kick return. I really didn't know he ran it back to the 34. I didn't have a very good angle of it, but I knew the crowd was cheering pretty loud. So I figured he got it past the 25, but that's, that's big time field possession, especially when, you know, every, every second, every minute counts. Cause you're under what three minutes at that point, under two minutes. Um, so yeah, that's there was, big. There was like a minute 30 left at that point. Yep. That's big. Good to see Reese Smith get that catch. Um, you know, like I said, even when we're kind of um, criticizing him for, for what he was doing, uh, receiving punts I just don't think he's a good punt returner but I, I still said like you know you can line him up as receiver you know I think he, I think he's good for you know a little third down play every now and then um and he he's a good part of that receiving core I uh, just don't line him up for punts so I thought that was a big play Preston Fox um you know they picked up that flag I don't think they should have picked up that flag and he catches another ball you know the next play so it's good to see you know new guys get their their number called and I think as the season goes on um as there's more injuries more people are going to have to step up and, you know, um, that's what you need out of a big power for power five program. That's why you recruit. My favorite stat from tonight is that there were zero drops, zero. That's hard to believe. Zero drops. And, Oh, let's, let's talk about one more receiver. Caden Prather. Oh my man. He is turning into a man right before our eyes. Like just like go back, like go back and watch that. Like he made hard catch after hard catch. That touchdown, he got smacked around at the 10, kept his balance, spun around. Ten, like, huh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a true sophomore. If he's still here in two years and he's a senior, look out because he could be dangerous. Um, 
game balls you got anything else before you want to get there oh casey like casey like casey like kicked the walk off field goal and that's gotta feel good for him um he's kind of been under the radar this year he hasn't really been asked to do much uh, part of that's because they've been scoring so many touchdowns so he kind of just has to come in and pick, yeah. kick the point after but he had to kick a couple big time field goals tonight and he did that um he's been pretty reliable I th- i'd say he's the most reliable kicker since josh lambert um and that was way back in 2014. So it's been almost a decade. And Casey Legs, the dude, he's a great guy. And I'm happy to see him succeed tonight. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see. Um, you know, he's from Crosswind, West Virginia, right up the road from where I'm from. So it, it's good to see that. Um, like you said, I mean, he's flown under the radar. You know, just his number hasn't been called that much, just simply because, you know, if it's a fourth and one, there's a there's a chance you're going for it. And, you know, JT Daniels, Price Ford Wheaton and company, they find the end zone a good bit. So his number hasn't been called, but you know, he, he, I don't think he felt any pressure there. Um, if, if they wouldn't have had that big run, I would have been confident in Casey from, you know, 40 plus. Um, but thankfully it didn't come down to that. Yeah. Casey, Casey's the man and he's the man on the field, off the field, just like a great overall guy. And when great yeah. guys do great things, it's awesome to see game balls. Cause it's 1am in the morning. Let's get to it for me. I'm going to go Tony Mathis, obviously. And then I'm going to go defense. Jacoby Spells, man, like, he's just gotten his hands on footballs when big-time plays have had to be made. And he did that against Virginia Tech. He did that again tonight. I'm going to give him one. Um, Aubrey Burks, big-time interception. And then Jasir Cox, the two fumble recoveries. And then Caden Prather, obviously, because he he looked like he, – he just looked different out there. And I was I was happy to see that. So those are my guys. Yeah, you know, I want to go Kane Prather, you know, 11 for what, 108 or something like that, 109 uh, and a touchdown. But, man, he's he's had it going for a couple games now. I think the the real game ball for me, I got to give it to Tony Mathis. I mean, 163 with two touchdowns. I mean, it's been hard for him to, to, to find the end zone. Like I said earlier, C.J. Donaldson's really burst on the scene and, you know, his number hasn't been called as much. And, and when it has, he's kind of – you know, he put the ball on the ground against Virginia Tech. Justin Johnson has shown his talent. But, man – this was his game to go out there and, and, you know, maybe prove some naysayers wrong um, and really show that he can be that workload back. And, you know, without his, without his performance tonight, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get that 43 points. And um, Justin Johnson played a good game, but Tony Mathis, man, he, he's my guy tonight. Some big plays on the defensive side, but I, I'm going to give one game ball out. I think seeing the way Tony Mathis ran too, it helps not having to then put CJ Donaldson in too many stressful situations. You don't have to mm-hmm. throw a guy that was just knocked out in Austin, Texas two weeks ago. You don't have to put him back in the game right away. So like you can, you can play him, but you don't have to give him the heavy workload that he was getting prior to the injury. So that's good for everyone involved. Um, hopefully CJ's back. All signs point to it. I believe, um, That'll be good for this team. But for now, like, enjoy this one, West Virginia. You deserved it. You played really, really well. Offense played great. Defense stepped up. I mean, you can't give up 600 yards every Saturday, but you, you did what you had to do, and I think that's all you can ask sometimes. And if the ball bounced their way tonight, so be it, and they got this win. So that's all from us. We will be back with a Texas Tech preview probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. Happy birthday to my guy, Aaron, who is turning 21 this weekend. Congratulations, my guy. Thank you. Um, Celebrating with a win. Yep, had to give him the shout out. So um, think of him 
as he turns 21 and maybe someone can buy you a drink this weekend Aaron so <laughs> that's all from us on this now Friday uh and West Virginia wins 43-40 Casey Leg does it Mountaineers do it at home Thursday night in what was a wild game against Baylor one and two three and three it'll play it'll play so Thank you for listening. I'm Mr. Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker. This is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast.